Staring at the members I remember uh, You can't dismember this bully What can you tell us when the fathers love was zealous for us We were rebellious uh, But now heirs with Christ no longer felons And yeah, Jose on the curb giving the word But they just want the herb and we ushers don't let it burn uh, uh, You see the body and the things that we embody Arts to me are holy, they tell you what we discern as well Well, we're back with uh, Sports and Jesus This uh, episode is brought to you by Red Letter Clothing Red Letter Clo dot com uh go check them out they've got some cool merch been supporters of the podcast for a while i've got a uh, something really exciting for you listeners we've been kind of teasing this for a while and have finally gotten around to it um i've got keaton anderson on the phone uh keaton say hey how y'all doing thanks for having me on yeah and uh so keaton is he has played the last uh i guess four years at alabama was uh, originally a linebacker and then was a safety the last few years. Um, played pretty regularly. Uh, you might have seen him on the field a lot. Um, but he's uh, been, I guess, uh, he's from the same area we're from. He's been a part of our church really from from day one. I remember Keaton was there back when we were meeting in a really sweaty, smelly gym and there was only about... 30 of us but um so so that's how, that's how we know keaton is from through our church he's kind of a a local legend here he uh starred at uh florence high school was uh was a linebacker there and then as we've already said went on to alabama and um good guy hard-working guy um like i said he's he's been involved in our in our church since he was a uh, um in, in high school and uh good guy comes from a good family and so excited just to to talk to him to kind of I know most of y'all that listen to us you listen to us not because we have any credibility um just because we make a lot of mistakes and say words really bad and you get to laugh so um we thought we'd add some credibility and that's what what Keaton brings so got a few questions here for Keaton and, and hopefully you know this this won't be the the last time he's on the on the podcast but, um, so as I said, Keaton comes from a good family. Um, his family is a kind of a long line of, of Tennessee supporters. His, uh, his brother played at Tennessee. Um, there, there's been quite a few people in your family play at Tennessee, right, Keaton? That's correct. My, uh, my father played at Tennessee and, and my, uh, oldest uncle, he played at the university of Tennessee. So I'm a, uh, I'm like the black sheep of the family going, <laughs> yeah. going to the arch rival, <laughs> which, uh, which leads me to my first question. So, so as, as y'all know, I am a sad to say I, I'm a Tennessee fan. It's been a, been a hard season. Uh, Tennessee is actually one of the reasons I've become a soccer fan in the last year or two. Uh, it's just been, <laughs> it's been, it's been tough, uh, especially this season. And so I remember when I, um, First, uh, I guess f- first heard of Keaton when we started the the uh, the church. You know, learning that he came from a Tennessee family, I was pretty excited, assuming that you know we, we'd get a good linebacker at Tennessee. And um, obviously, Keaton made a decision to go to Alabama. So, so Keaton, kind of what what made you make that decision, or what was it about Alabama that kind of I guess drew you away from? 
a team that your family has always supported and I know still, still supports to some level. Um, and that I assume you probably supported with your brother playing there. And so, so what, what, what were some of the things about Alabama that kind of drew you away from Tennessee? Yeah, definitely. So that was, um, so far one of the hardest decisions I've, I've had to make just growing up in a, a Tennessee household. And, you know, I, I thought growing up, I truly bled orange and white. I, I felt that strongly about the university of Tennessee. And, um, obviously my biggest or my oldest brother is, you know, also my best friend, even with, we have a seven year age gap, but we're extremely close. And, you know, growing up, going to those games to support uh, my dad's alma mater. And then when my brother started playing there, you know, I got to meet um, all, all these guys on the team and they became, you know, basically like more big brothers. So I had a, a whole crew of big brothers that were playing college football. And my bedroom was actually orange and white. <laughs> and I used to have, I used to have a, I used to have a picture that used to hang off of my ceiling. And it was, uh, it was Neyland Stadium. So when I'd look up in the mornings, I would see Neyland Stadium. So, I, I mean, I'm talking about Die Hard is, is a true statement. Um, and it was a program I just grew up loving and supporting. And it, it makes it even easier to support them when you have your, your big brother there as well. So, yeah, man, I, it, it was tough for me. You know, my sophomore year, I got a, an offer from them. And, in the spring and then you know about two weeks later i received an offer from alabama from the jump it was it was no questions you know i wanted to go to university of tennessee and uh, just keep it in the family and keep it in the bloodline and uh, hopefully bring bring some some conference championships and ultimately the big picture for every college athlete just to win the national championship and so i i wanted to jump the gun early as a sophomore and commit and l- luckily my brother and, and my dad both told me, you know, this is kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity you're going to have. And I need to take it all in, take in the recruiting process. Let's go to see other schools. You may like this. You may want to go. Um, I, you know, one of my top schools was Duke growing up. Um, so nice. I wanted to go see, I wanted to go see Duke, you know, that's more for an educational purpose yeah. and having it and having a degree from there and where it could take me after football I loved LSU because their defense coordinator at the time was John Chavis and John Chavis played with my dad at Tennessee. Um, so I, I would love to play for Chiefs. So there was a lot more that went into it. And, yeah. um, you know, with, with Tennessee, it was, it was easy for me to go there because, um, it was, it was comfortable for me and, um, I didn't have to think a lot about it. I knew, I knew the places to go. I knew where I would live. I, I knew people already on campus. Um, but as I said earlier, my, my mom and my mom, dad, brother kind of told me to sit back, take it all in. And that, that was the, the best decision I could have made um, for just a young, naive person who just wanted to, to jump the gun and uh, go somewhere where it was easy and comfortable. They, they made me take a take a step back and see what everything else was all about. So in the end, you know, there was there were some issues, obviously, with Tennessee. There were some coaching issues and winning ball games yeah, and, some losing and, issues. And, you know yeah, exactly when, <laughs> when when my brother my dad and uncle were there they they all they did not win any championships and that yeah. was something that we did want in the family we we wanted at least some type of championship even if it was a bowl game or whatever it was we we needed something some type of ring yeah and uh and i wanted to be the one that was going to get it done and when, when i sat back truly and looked at all the things that also went into football, 
you almost stop looking at football, which is weird to say. Um, you know, I I take education and my degrees. I'm very happy I got, and I I looked at that more seriously. And when I really decided, it was. Uh, I took football completely out of the picture. I said, all right, you know, you, you got the coaches from all these schools. They're great. They got they got all these great talent around them. And ultimately, if you go in there and you impact them in the right way, you're going to win football games. But how am I going to be the most comfortable um, and be the most successful outside of football? And educationally, where am I going to be the most comfortable and feel like I can be the most successful and have a, I have a great group of friends to where if football ended, would I still be happy going to school there? Yeah. Um, would I be happy waking up every day just to go to class or just to go eat with some buddies or whatever it is? Would I be happy going to school there? Um, and ultimately, that that helped me make the decision uh, to go to the University of Alabama. And number one, that was to win championships. That was there was no doubt. Yeah. And then when I when I really sat back um, and, and said, you know, where do I want to go to school? it was, it was Alabama. And I never thought I could say that, but you know, I, I did have friends there. I did have friends there, but my best friends from college are the guys I played ball with uh, my roommates from freshman year and other guys that I met yeah. and um, just the campus and the people around it. And, you know, I loved, I loved my teachers and throughout college. So I made a, a great decision. Uh, but then also to bring you back into high school, right before I decided, I actually made my mom, my dad, and my brother and my sister, I made them pick the school that they wanted me to go to. Mm. And because it, it, it was tough on me, I'm, you know, I just, I, I committed my junior year. So I'm 17, about to turn 18. Um, and this is, a, that's a big life decision. I think some, some people in the outside world don't, don't view it as one. Oh man, you get this great opportunity and yeah, you do. And it should be an easy decision to go play at this big school. But you know, this, this impacts your life. This is, this is, yeah. um, this is big for the rest of your future in, in football. Uh, if you're trying to go to the NFL or for your educational purposes and what degree you get, there's just a lot more that goes into it that a 17 year old uh, may not know the answer to. So I, luckily I have a great support system and I have a great family and they're we're super open and just easy to talk to. And, you know, I made them decide and that was really tough. And, you know, ultimately they all said the university of Alabama. So it wasn't, just my decision. I wanted to have their support and their blessing wherever I chose. And when they told me that I should go to Alabama, it was, it was a no brainer. Um, yeah. you know, and, and growing up just extremely respectful to my parents and respect their decisions for, for myself. And I know they're looking for the best when they said that as well. It was, it was, it was a no brainer to go to Alabama. So ultimately at 17, I committed to Alabama and, you know, the rest is history. It was, you know, one of the best decisions of my life so far. Yeah, that that's awesome, man. Like, I think uh, if you're out there listening to this and you're trying to figure out, I mean, e even if you're not an athlete, but you're just trying to figure out like, like what school you want to go to, like just to hear some of that, those things is, is awesome. Like not, not to necessarily pick the, the easy and the comfortable route, but just what makes sense on, on every level. Cause, cause I know like, and, and what's important to you. So you said, winning games is important. And so that heavily influenced your decision versus like you could have definitely gone to a place like Duke where it probably would have been easier to play a lot sooner. Whereas you go to a place like Alabama and you've got to work your tail off just to see, you know, for every play that you see on Saturdays. And, um, definitely. 
I mean, that's, it's just cool just to see like, Hey, these are the things that are important to me. And yeah, this, this is probably the most difficult out of the options that I have, but it's worth it because of this, man, that's, that's cool. I mean, you can apply that to anywhere in life that the, the easiest thing isn't always the best thing. Um, so I, I had the privilege of, uh, watching you in high school and, uh, y'all had a, a very good team at Florence in high school. I think with quite a few, uh, SEC players, actually, I think it, y'all had multiple players that are even right now playing in the SEC. But, um, I think m- most people, I guess their knowledge of football, um, or their experience of football, including mine ends at the high school level. And you typically get those same people will then watch football on Saturdays and act like, or I guess uh, the way they, the lens that they view it through is kind of at all they know with football when it comes to um, like high school football level. So can you just, I guess, quickly explain just from like a, a speed standpoint, like, like I said, like I, I was, I coached football on the junior college level and just the difference of speed from high school to junior college was incredible. But like, can you explain like when you first come, I guess to campus or you first start practicing with some of those guys, like how, how different it was playing on Friday nights than it was on Saturdays or how different, um, the speed was, how different, like just the concepts, like how, I don't think people understand like how big of a gap it is going from one level of football to another. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, ultimately, ultimately the biggest, well, I I could say it's the biggest, uh, it's definitely competing with one another, but the speed is, you know, it's a, it's a game changer and the type of athletes you play with, um, you know, if you're looking at star ratings, you know, all my teammates are basically four star and five stars. Yeah. I mean, I I probably was like the lowest rated recruit that they they had commit in probably like the past four years. I don't know what it is, but you know, and, and I was very fortunate and uh, blessed to have a a really good high school career and had some great teammates. And you know, we actually played for I had three head coaches in high school, so played under uh, Coach Alvin Briggs and then Coach Jamie Dubos, which came in from Pratt Bowl after winning all those state championships and kind of changed the whole uh, dynamic of Florence, Florence football and how we thought and um, just, just put in kind of a college mindset for us. So, you know, luckily with that happening um, kind of changed around the whole mindset of, of what you did and how you, uh, you went about your business with football and taking in film and other such things. And also played for uh, coach Jason Wallace. So, uh, he, he's one of my favorite favorite coaches of all time, no doubt. He, he was my uh, defense coordinator my sophomore year and then became my uh, position coach, my linebacker coach and defense coordinator my junior year and then ultimately was my head coach my senior year. So I, I had some great coaches, but, you know, luckily they did start changing uh, the dynamic of how we practice and took on uh, the mental side. And when I say the mental side, this is what I'm also talking about, competing with speed. You know, when you go to the college level, ultimately, the guys that you're competing with just in practice, you know, the first time I, I was competing at a college level was just in practice. And uh, it didn't matter if you're a one, a two, or a three. Um, 
these guys are great. These guys were dominant on their high school football teams. Yeah. It just so happens they may be the 13 guy, but the first two guys are probably first, you know, the first three round draft picks. Yeah. Or, yeah, first three round draft picks. And uh, they're, they're either waiting their time or, you know, something could have happened with some injuries and it's just kind of put them back a little bit. I mean, there's so much more that goes into it. But, you know, the third string guy could be a, a, a true 4 4 guy that had, you know, some crazy numbers in high school, like 3,000 yards receiving or <laughs> rushing or whatever it is. And and then you're looking at him. He's a, th- you know, a 13 guy in the hi- high school may not have, have been so successful. And that's just the reality of it. But in college, it, <laughs> it may not be the case. But yeah, man, the speed and, um, you know, ultimately the physicality. I, I played linebacker. So, you know, I, I went up against in high school, you're, you know, averaging probably like a 240 to 270 pound offensive lineman that, you know, is probably under 6'2. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we, we don't even have that size of Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then I, I go up to an O line as a 18 year old freshman. Um, with some with some grown men and then you find out the the reality of man these offensive linemen number one like the smallest guy was six four probably 305 307 but you know 305 307 is like a chiseled offensive lineman yeah so uh you go up against these grown men you know there's there's two there's two kind of realities in football it's when you're i, I played up as a freshman so when you're a 14 year old freshman playing with an 18 year old senior and that's a huge gap. Yeah. And then when you're playing as an 18 year old freshman in college with a, you know, it could be a 21 to 23 year old senior in college that, you know, some of these guys I had it when I was in school, some of these guys could be married. Some of these guys have kids. Some, some of these guys are about to be first round draft picks. Some of these guys are about to be top 10 draft picks. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's crazy. But then, you know, ultimately the speed is, is, what what changes you um everybody can make that play that you're used to making in high school um everybody competes just as hard um and then sometimes these guys that dominate in high school are just so have so much god-given talent <laughs> they can do the same thing in college and make yeah. just as good people make them look just as silly as they did in high school but now the thing that competes with speed is definitely the mental capacity uh of football and i i you know, it's 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 hard for people that just watch football and don't know it from that side to, to really understand all that goes into it. Um, you know, there's so much more, especially on the defensive side. And I can only imagine on the offense side, I just haven't done it personally. On the defense side, that goes into a football game. You know, in high school, you, you watch film and um, you watch film with your uh, with your coaches and that's kind of the gist i did i watched own personal spill or film um fortunately enough we had ipads in high school uh from florence high school that we received and um they had this thing called huddle which is how you watch practice and game film and stuff so we had easy access but most you know most high schools are not so you know for (laughs) for for somebody to have a computer to go home um and watch it on or to really be disciplined enough to sit there on their iphone and um, you know, some of these guys, you know, it's are not in fortunate enough positions to be able to pay for the data because they may not have Wi-Fi. So they they literally just cannot do it. So um, luckily enough, at Florence High School, we you know, you have Wi-Fi when you're at school and in between periods and uh, going in between classes, you, you could watch film and get an extra extra film work, which was extremely valuable to us and our team. And 
uh, how we were, were able to prepare for games and then, you know, taking in um, learning different formations and, and what comes off of these formations and um, learning teams habits and how the running back lines up and how, how the, the guards may have light fingers and the tackles may have light fingers or, and, you know, in high school, you can pick up so many little cheat codes. Like we played a team um, in high school that, Every time it was a run, all the offensive linemen would have their hands in the dirt. And then every time it was a pass, every time it was a pass, the tackles, just the tackles would have their hand out of the dirt. And then every time there's a play action, one of the tackles would have their hand in the dirt and the other tackle would not. So, I mean, <laughs> that that's pretty easy to pick up on. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, in college, you're not going to get that. College, they're just going to switch it up. It's, you, you know, there's not a tendency. You hope to find one. But a lot of the times there's not. But then when you go into college, you know, you have to learn even more about award of formation means and personnel and, uh, you know, having two tight ends based on one. If there's a fullback and a tight end, if it's four receivers, if it's if it's three receivers and a tight end, um, there's all these different things that go into it. And then uh, you got to sit there and you, you, you have to watch the film on it. And, you know, that that's huge for us Alabama we watch so much film we watch film before practice we watch film after practice and we do these hour and hour and 30 minute long meetings you know sometimes they're 45 sometimes an hour hour and 30 minutes every every day of the week and we're just watching film and we're going over game plans and we have these packets that we're that we're given and in these packets have all the plays and all the checks that we're responsible for and ultimately it's 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 like another class. You're responsible to learn it, and uh, you have a test on Friday, and you're uh, responsible to be able to to perform on on the mental side. And um, just people don't understand that what goes into it. And play for the University of Alabama. You know our defense is so complex; it has a check for every formation. Um, so you could you could be playing cover one, and then they they uh, motion one receiver to the other side, and then you may switch to a whole zone concept. You may be playing cover six. I mean, it could completely change everything just by a simple movement of one person. Um, and and people don't know that uh, about, about you know, the next level and what all goes into it. So, I, you know, I, I spoke I spoke a, a week ago and I, I made this comment about people in the outside world. I said, you know, when you're watching a game, it's easy for people to blame especially on the defense side, it's easy for people to blame the guy that's closest to the ball that may have missed the tackle yeah. or it, it, it looks to the common eye like that. It was his responsibility when sometimes, when sometimes it could have been the younger guy or it could have been just a miscommunication, but you know, the safety in the corner was supposed to rotate and they didn't or something. And, and, and the running back runs it to the corner and the corner misses the tackle. Well, oh, you think, dang, the, the corner messed that up, blah, blah, blah. Well, it may have not been the corner's responsibility to be there in the first place. And it, it may have been the, a miscue on the safety's part where he was supposed to rotate down, and that was supposed to be his tackle to make, and the corner shouldn't even been in that situation. But to us, it's, oh, it's, you know, number so-and-so's fault for, for not making the play. He should have been there. He, that, was his, that was his run fit, or that was his pass responsibility. But you don't know, like you just don't know what all goes into it. Yeah. And it's so easy for us just to blame the first guy there. Yes. Should you make a play? Yes. But was ultimately that his responsibility? Was he prepared to do that in practice? No, he may not have been. Um, so I, I wish people would take a step back and 
uh, you know, not be so quick to, to point the finger at people. But, you know, unfortunately, we live in a society where it's pretty, pretty easy for people to want to point the finger at the first person they see. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, the speed, the physicality, you know, just playing with people that are just as good as you, better than you, um, get the game mentally even, even better than you, pick up on tendencies, um, and then just being able to take in a playbook, digest it, and then ultimately perform at the highest level you can. Um, it's just such a, such a difference between high school and, and college football for sure. Yeah, man, I, I didn't, uh, I don't think I, I prepared you for this question, but I, I don't think it's a difficult one. No, I was just fine. thinking about this one, but, uh, you know, we, I've always wondered, you know, I, I've watched, um, you know, I watch, um, hard knocks every year and, uh, a watch there's a show that comes on Amazon prime that like they went behind the scenes with the Carolina Panthers last year. And, uh, you know, y- y'all had that show. Was it two years ago that came it out? It was, uh, no, it was last year actually. Yeah. That came out on ESPN. How, yeah. how accurate? Cause they, they make you feel as a fan, like you're on the inside of what's going on at, at that program or at that team. Like how accurate is it? from what's like depicted on TV to what it's actually like at, I guess, preseason Alabama. Like what would you say, was that accurate or was it just kind of like, um, almost like propaganda just showing the best parts? Staged. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, I guess there's two parts. You know, I actually haven't watched it all the way through. Uh-huh. I've watched like, <laughs> well, I, yeah, cause you I, lived I it. There's, but... <laughs> there's, not, yeah, there's not, there's not that many episodes. I don't think, but, uh, I watched like the first two. I don't, was it like four or five? Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not too sure, but whatever it is, I've, um, I watched like the first one or first two or whatever it was, but ultimately, yeah, they, they put in, you know, the good pieces because yeah. it's, it's television you're trying to get views and have people interested in it um i mean but the stuff that you saw is it was real it was it was accurate it was uh, what was happening a lot of it was not put on maybe some of the questions that they asked people or yeah. asked players if there was some type of interview form um but for the most part you know they would we would we'd be sitting in the cafeteria after practice and the camera crew would just roll up on you and just <laughs> sit there you know sit there at the next table and, you know, it's not just like some small, you know, flip phone camera that they're pulling out to record you on. It's, yeah. you know, the huge ones and they got the big <laughs> light in the background. So everybody knows you're getting recorded. Yeah. And you you try to stay as comfortable and natural as you can. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you, you try to be as mindful as you can when you're speaking. But, you know, they, they want it to be this like organic, natural thing where they just walk up and you continue your conversation as is. Um you know, unfortunately you have to, you have to be mindful of how you speak and you know what you're saying just, um, so the public doesn't view it as something differently. And, um, so you, you, you sometimes feel a little uncomfortable with it. I was, I was never just the most fond of the cameras being around just because I, you know, I'm not, I'm not used to it. Like, you know, the first day of first day of camp, um, which our morning starts, um, I think it was about six o'clock, six a.m., mm. and you get woken up by an air horn, and you're you move into the dorm. So I I lived I lived uh, on campus, but I did not live in school housing. And um, you you move into dorms, and you know they're blowing the air horns, and one of our player personnel guys comes in, and 
bust my door open and I got my, I, I wear a retainer and I got face cream on and I'm <laughs> everything and I pop out of bed and gosh dang, they got all these cameras in there. They got the ESPN crew with the big lights on and I'm just like, oh my, if this airs and I got my face cream, my retainer and everything, this is going to be rough. I'm getting blackmailed for the rest of my life with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, most of the, most of the parts are extremely accurate. It's, uh, kind of shows what we go through from a daily basis. I'm not sure they get all of it. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not getting everything that happens, but you know, honestly, they, they got a majority of it for, for what the public should view and what, what they need to see. And, yeah. you know, having the biggest thing that they also got to see is the speakers that we, that we have in fall camp and, you know, we had Kobe Bryant and Kobe Bryant has been my favorite basketball player growing up my whole life. And yeah. like to see somebody that, um, uh, I just thought of as an, as an idol for basketball, uh, and somebody I was like, man, if I, if I was ever that good at basketball, that's who I want to be like. Yeah. Um, it was Kobe Bryant. And then as a, as a competitor and as an athlete, Ultimately, that is somebody you want to be like. He is the ultimate competitor. Yeah. He wants to defeat everybody. Um, and I learned so many things from him in that in that sitting. You know, it's it's hard for people. People get excited to go hear hear people speak, um, and it's great. You know, some people bring a lot of wisdom into your life and can bring some really good knowledge and some facts and stuff that you can take on a day to day basis. Basis. Unfortunately, our mind and our our capacity to really digest what they're saying and actually make a change in our life on things that they're speaking about doesn't happen. You know, when you hear somebody speak, you're excited for like 24, maybe 72 hours. You're like, man, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to use this self-talk. I'm going to be more self-disciplined. I'm going to, I'm going to take that saying when times are tough and I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I just say that in my head. I'm going to put it somewhere. And when times get tough, I'm going to say that. And Unfortunately, it goes away in 72 hours. You you really you really lose the meaning of what the speaker was trying to get across. And, you know, for us, a lot of the times it is kind of a motivational speech. Um, And and you hear from sometimes people that are not athletes, you hear from people that are businessmen or have gone through these serious life struggles and have overcome and and they're great stories. But for, for somebody to really take it to heart and really make a life change. Um, if you can have a speaker that can do that to you, that's a special speaker. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the times, unfortunately, you know, it, it, it doesn't sit with us past 72 hours, yeah. especially if you're not taking notes, especially if you can't go back and really read what you put down and read what that person said, it kind of, it kind of falls away. But Kobe, what he spoke about and, Luckily, I took notes. I, I tried to take notes on all those fall camp speakers because we have some just extremely just valuable people that come in. And what ultimately he, he taught us on that um, when he came to speak to us. And you saw bits of it on the show. Actually, I'm not sure if y'all they saw on the show. I'm not sure he allowed ESPN to be there. I think they saw the beginning, but not when he really got into the whole yeah. uh, speech and how he spoke to us. He made it extremely personal, though. He made it like we were like we were peers, like we were um on like we were equals so we had the same championship pedigree that we had the same everything that we were just like another another guy he was talking to if he was a close friend which was awesome you don't see that a lot a guy a guy that's as successful as him and 
doesn't have to come speak to us and doesn't need the money to come speak to us and all these things, but wanted to take time out just to come talk. It, it wasn't this whole life speech he was giving us. It was, it was an open dialogue with us and him. And you could ask any questions you wanted and the cameras were removed and he got as, as deep as you wanted. And he got as lighthearted and he would a- answer the hard questions. And, and that was awesome. But ultimately what he said to us and this, you know, it happened in, in football is, um, year by year, he would. This was his kind of like his quote. He was wa- he would watch film of my life. H- I, how can I go back in, into the previous year and things that I want to improve on? Just like in a football game, when I watch film, I need to correct this, this, and this. He would do it on his life. What do I need to improve on? What did I do wrong that I can change this next year? Wow. What I did last year is not set in stone. It, it's not something that has to stay with me for the rest of my life, or something I have to do the next day or the next year, the next month, whatever it is, I can change these things. And uh, for him to sit there and, you know, talk about it. And that's how he made such a change in his life. Cause he went through uh, a really tough time in the NBA when he was uh, accused of all these things and had all these legal, legal stuff that went on. And ultimately he had to make change in his life. So things like this wouldn't happen and he could change, um, you know, his image for the better and his, uh, show his true character and what could he do to improve on that? And then in basketball, how can I improve to become, you know, the greatest basketball player to play the game? And how can I watch film on my day-to-day life? Is it what I'm eating? Is who I surround myself with? If it's, um, you know, putting myself in the word and uh, how can I be closer to my teammates and all these things. And I, I, I took so much away from that speech. And it's like, it's, it's one of the few times I've had a speaker can speak and it still resonates with me today you know it's been over a year and i still think about how can i watch film in my life how can i how can i be better in in different aspects of my life just from day to day or big picture thinking so that was really cool but yeah to get back sorry i got on this little rant oh that's awesome the speech but to to get on back on the topic of um you know the the whole film and the crew being there yeah they, they got a large majority of it you know they got a they got some of the it's not technically called two days anymore, but you know, if you wanted to call it a two day, they got some of that in there and yeah. got to see, you know, people get banged up in camp. People it's, it's every day. And, and fortunately the NCAA gave, gave us, or now for all college um, programs, I think on the seventh day. So you can only practice six days in a row and on the seventh day. You have to have an off day, which is extremely beneficial, beneficial. And I think the NCAA did a great job implementing that into uh, fall camp schedules. Um, but you know, you're going every day from practice. You start at 6 a.m. You're not back in the dorm going to sleep until, you know, 10 30, 11. That's getting back to the dorm, but really going to sleep, it's 11 30 to 12. You know, we also want to have some type of more normal life, talk to our parents, talk to, you know, people like our girlfriends or fiancés or whatever significant others, and they want to talk to them. And uh, that's like your only time to do it. Because the rest of the time you're you're watching film, and then you're doing a walkthrough, then you're doing a a, a a lift, you're getting showered, you're going to eat, you're t- you're trying to steal thirty. Steal thirty means you're taking a thirty minute nap. So I'm I'm trying to steal thirty, and then you're going back to get taped, get treatment, get rolled out, get stretched, and then get dressed for practice. And then you're in that hour and a half meeting, and then next thing you know you're you're in your two hour to two and a half hour practice. And then you get done with practice, you do after practice treatment, get in the cold tubs, all these things. And then uh, you go, go eat, go eat dinner. Um, 
and you'll you'll try to you know lay there if you need to call somebody call them for you know 15 20 minutes and then ultimately you're back at the facility or um, you'll have some meetings and then you'll have uh, the speaker the guest speaker that we usually have one every night so like for instance kobe bryant kobe bryant come in speak to you you know usually 45 to an hour and then you watch more film and then after that you have a you know a late night snack and you go back to the dorm and you know, you eat, try to lay there, get as comfortable as you can, go to sleep, and then you repeat it the next day. So it's it's a grind. It it is a it is a grind. People don't people don't know all that goes into it. Um, and as a young eighteen year old freshman coming in, it can really really beat you down mentally because you it's hard for you to see the light at the end of the tunnel because you've never done it. Yeah. You know you you've never you've never been through this camp without your parents without uh you know grandparents whoever you know whoever's there for you and uh you know your best friends that may not play football or whatever it is you're not there to have them talk to you or be there in person or have mom have mom there uh or mom or dad there to you know have some food for you after and just sit there and talk about what happened during the day and that's tough and it's tough you're like man another practice another another day to put on these pads full hitting full contact um, I remember when I was a freshman, I, I called mom after the first day of camp. <laughs> I went, mom, what am I doing here? Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. I'm thinking my body's already completely beaten up. I felt like I just played in a football game. Yeah. Practice, like, you know, practice hard, but I don't feel like I just, just got in a uh, complete football game. I got my knuckles beaten up. My neck is so sore from wearing the helmet and the pads and hitting uh my shoulders are sore from all the contact my hamstrings are oh my goodness i can barely walk because i haven't ran that much ever in a single practice and uh call him and thinking you know i'm a good student maybe i should just be a student <laughs> and uh you know <laughs> i finished out and my brother talked to me about it and, you know it's hard for us to see and then year by year it physically it doesn't get any easier but you know mentally it does and that's yeah. the best thing you, you you know what you're actually playing for you see you know if i can get past these 20 something days of camp yeah. you know we get into the regular season the practice lightens lightens down and then you get the excitement you know that adrenaline rush on saturdays again that you 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 know some of us play the game for i'm the bigger <laughs> adrenaline rush guy so i don't mind it on saturdays when we get a big adrenaline rush on the saturdays running out of the tunnel or making a big hit or a big player whatever it is so yeah, yeah it's uh it, it, as long as you can get get through the first couple of days and you get through that first camp it's all smooth sailing from there but yeah they did a good job of depicting it there's you know ultimately not everything but it, it was it, it was still pretty pretty well done yes sir yeah well um yeah, I know you're gonna have you don't have a ton of time left, but uh, just one last question. As you know, this is a, a sports and Jesus podcast, so um, man, it's been some awesome answers. Like it's like just seeing, I guess, for, from your perspective, has just been really cool. And uh, I I know you got some uh some other things in the works, but uh, um, I feel like just the way you've answered this questions, you you could have a future in broadcasting if you wanted it wanted to but uh <laughs> but oh man definitely definitely two kind of words right there <laughs> man <laughs> generous very generous word <laughs> but uh um you know we, we see on it, all we see is saturdays and uh we see a lot of 
religious things happen on a football field. Like somebody scores a touchdown, they point to the sky. Um, you yeah. know, there's prayers after the games and um, everybody, you know, and when they do interviews, they're always thanking God and all. Um, so on, on the inside, like, would you, it, it seems to, I don't know, it seems like some people probably almost use Jesus as like a good luck charm. Um, yeah. But I was wondering, because, you know, you're just, like I said, like we've been in the same church for four or five years now. So, so I kind of, I, I know where yeah. you're at. Um, would you say that, like, there is a lot of, like, legit, like, people that are, are deeper than that, I guess, deeper than, like, legit yeah. Christians that faith plays not just a big role, but is, like, the most important thing to them? Would you say that that's... Um, prevalent in the locker room or is it just like like i said like is it just kind of for a lot of people they just see jesus as a good luck charm yeah yeah it it is um you know you you're watching this these games on tv and you do see that a lot and obviously none of us can speak on somebody's relationship with god and um how he how he believes and maybe what he does in his own time and how he spends time with God and if he's in the word or, or, or whatever, you know, un- unfortunately there are some people that probably have spent no time in the word or in a, a solid church home and foundation that um, may show some stuff um, during games or something that uh, maybe they don't believe in, you know, yeah. I don't know. I can't, I can't specifically say that. Um, but, you know, unfortunately there probably are some situations like that. You're talking about but, Tim Tebow, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Being a Tennessee fan, I don't like Tim Tebow. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, but yeah, like I, I, I don't think we that we can point out anybody or yeah. say that about anybody just because we don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's, and that's that's not our right to say. But um, there are definitely, definitely, and I could say this personally, um, a lot of guys, a lot of guys that are passionate about their relationship with God and, and, and being a servant of Christ and spreading the gospel. And, you know, you know, I've had some extremely influential best friends of mine, um, that have, you know, it's easy in college to, to lose track of what the true meaning of, of living for the Lord is. And, yeah, you know, there's, absolutely. there's parties, there's places to go out. There's, you know, these girls, there's temptation, um, there's a lot that there's a lot that goes in when you're a an 18 year old freshman or 17 year old freshman, and then you're just introduced to it, you know. And yeah. being a being a football player at a, a big time program puts even more of these temptations, makes them extremely accessible and easy to find and get to, or whatever it is. And um, you know, but luckily I've had a great group of friends and uh, surrounding group, and you know, taking in the word and daily devotions and uh, one of me one of my teammates we we used to do devotion in the summer and we 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 made this accountability to each other about what we were going to do and things that we were going to stay away from and um you know that's also big is having a county accountability partner when uh i'll say this for an athlete when you're an athlete going through all these life temptations and having somebody else there that's also going through the same thing as you um you know, it'd be easy for me to call, you know, Justin Cosby, our, our pastor and say, Hey, I'm going to, let's be accountable to this. And 
it'd be easy. It'd be easy for, you know, Justin, a married man and a strong faith and believes in the Lord and passion about the Lord. And, but he's not going through the same life temptations I am. Yeah. He's not. I mean, I was a college athlete, you know, living by myself, uh, didn't really have a significant other. Um, so, you know, just doing my own thing. And, uh, he just may not be on that same, that same path that I am. And, yeah. and, and it's, it's, it's much better for me to have somebody that's going through the same things as I, as I am. Oh yeah. Not yeah. to say that I shouldn't be accountable to somebody else like that, that does have the strong faith and, uh, you know, can provide me with those, the answers that I need and, uh, all that. But for my team, um, specifically, yes, faith was, um, it was one of the strongest foundations and people didn't know this. And this is not something that we did with coaches, but on Thursdays, on Thursdays, before we go to practice, we, we had about a 15 minute player meeting every Thursday before we would do our Thursday practice. And, um, we would always pray at the end as a team, everybody would stand up, put your arm around each other. And we'd walk down and That's awesome. somebody would, somebody would pray. And, you know, that didn't happen every year at Alabama that that happened because, you know, one of our guys on our team wanted to stand up and say, this is my faith. This is what I believe in. I believe that we are playing football, not for ourselves, but for a bigger picture. So we can spread the word. We're using our platform. We don't need to misconstrue what we're, what we're using the word for. This is not to bring it to our attention, not to bring more glory to us. This is, you know, I, I point, I point to the sky because I want people to know I'm doing this for him. I, I want to be dominant in football because I want more people to know the word. That's awesome. Um, in my FCA, uh, the FCA uh, leader in our area is Coach or Gary Kramer, and he was extremely valuable to me and my and my faith and holding me accountable and having you know we would meet uh, during the season sometimes once a week or every two weeks or whatever it was we could meet at nighttime like nine thirty we would go over the word and things that I was struggling with and great to talk to him but one time he talked about I forgot who the running back was but one of the running backs uh, was talking about. He was talking to Coach Kramer and said, Coach, I don't want people to tackle me. He said, I don't, I don't want I want to score every time. He said, I don't want to score just for my own self-glory. He said, I want people to know what it feels like to play for the Lord. I want people to know when I get in the end zone and I point to this guy, this is for his glory. This is for more people to see it. And that was awesome. Like, it's something I still remember. It's like, I, I want to make a tackle, not for me. But so, so I can spread the word so I can get an interview to talk about God, talk about Jesus, talk wow. about um, living my life for him. And I think that's special for a player to have that mindset, yeah, um, absolutely. especially when it's so, it's so easy to be selfish uh, at, at that time in your life and forget the true meaning. Um, but yeah, man, we would have, you know, Thursdays, every meeting we would, we would pray. And, um, you know, there, there are situations where your teammates may not be believers or didn't grow up in the church or may yeah. be naive to what it is and um, going going through all just, you know, the, the, the things that you think in your head about, you know, there always is that question, you know, how, how is Jesus real? Is Jesus real? Like, what, what has he done for me? And all these selfish things that come to your head. And, you know, ultimately, some of these guys just haven't had the right person to answer the question for them. Yeah. Um, and just haven't been put into the, the right group. And, you know, I've, I've had, you know, some of my teammates be saved in college and it's awesome That's to see awesome. And these people that made these life changes. And uh, it, it's crazy to see the transformation that some of my friends have made and even myself, you know, 
it's it's awesome to see you get plugged into a church home. I had a great church when I was in in college. I went to Capstone uh, in, in Tuscaloosa, and I I loved it. It was it was great. It held me accountable. It was fun to go and worship, and you know, um, it, it was great to kind of have that accountability. But also um, with football, I would say you know the biggest influential role in my life was uh, you know ultimately my parents, but. Besides that, to have somebody else to come into my life was Justin Cosby, no doubt, which yeah. is our pastor. And, you know, Justin was my first football coach ever wow. when I was eight years old. <laughs> he was my, I, I met him through football, but we used to pray every practice. And the first thing before he became my head coach is what he told um, the parents and my parents is uh, if y'all have a problem with me spreading the word and, and teaching these young kids about the Lord, then I don't, I don't want to be your football coach. You know, wow. this is and ultimately as a you know coaching eight year olds. You're not <laughs> doing it. For the, you're not. You're not doing it for the money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's not a money thing. Uh, it's number one. It's a true passion for the game. It's true, true passion for uh, just being uh, a mentor for these younger guys to look up to and having a, a great foundation for them to start living their life. And he's he he put the word into me um, at a really young age. Uh, to me, Justin is not just my pastor. He's my, my big brother my my brother was his best man at his wedding so we're on a, a much more personal level and yeah. you know i i don't i talk to him about everything um that some people may feel uncomfortable talking to their pastor about i i talk to him about every life struggle i have and uh, in college actually um one of the years we we used to do it like you know you prepare for a new opponent and it's a new it's a new week so we used to have uh, a scripture of the week and we would change it each week and it was it was fun i used to wear it uh on my sleeve i would get one of the equipment managers to write it down on my on my sleeve and we would i would wear it during the games and it you know also held me responsible to what i learned that week in the word and um that was great for me um to not forget just uh, who i was playing for um, i used to run out on the field my my junior year or my redshirt sophomore year technically and every time I'd come out of the tunnel before the game, I'd, I'd go pray with J.K. Scott. J.K. Scott. I don't know if you you know this by J.K. Scott, but he is one of the de- most devout and uh, Christian guys. And honestly, man, this is a guy that that lives for the Lord. This is not somebody that puts up a front and lives this whole other lifestyle. He yeah. is a true believer and is a disciple of Christ. And wants to spread the word that is his ultimate goal he could quit football today if it was to go spread the word if he he's actually talking to him you know he's had struggles of if he wants uh in college like you know what is my what's my true calling he would easily put aside football to go preach or mm-hmm. to go spread the word to go uh on mission trips that's that's the type of person he is and i used to pray with him before every game and that was valuable to me and he, he put a lot of uh, a lot of uh just a lot of wisdom, a lot of knowledge to my life and what it meant to play for the Lord and, and just keep keep the, the right mindset when, when I'm playing and making sure it's not all about me, but it's giving it back to him. And that was huge for me. But yeah, you know, getting plugged in in college was a, a big thing as well. You know, having the FCA group, but also finding a church group that you can go to and oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Finding, finding, finding a group of guys that are going through the same struggles that you are to also talk to. Ultimately, you you do need. Uh, I personally think you need somebody, you know, like a Justin Cosby in your life uh, to really have that strong foundation. But then also to have an accountability accountability part, partner as well 
it goes a long way. Um, so for my life, faith in football, or uh, the, even the podcast name, it's it's perfect. It was uh, it was something that ultimately I, I did struggle in college, and um, I did go through the life battles that I think a lot of people go through. And you do have the questions, and uh, when you get back in the Word and you're plugged into the church home, you know it, it builds that foundation that that can't be broken. And uh, ultimately, the the love of Christ is coming into your life, and that's not going to be broken. That's for sure. That's yeah. that's that's the one thing that's not going to be broken, right? Yeah. So absolutely, uh, it, it was awesome to see you know my teammates to play for the Lord and um and, and to also just be open to talk about it. And you know, you see you see a guy like. Tua that's had so much success. Mm-hmm. Okay, Tua Tua is not putting up a front about living for God, about living for Jesus. This is that's a that's a true believer, man. That's a that's a guy that loves the Lord, that wants to live for the Lord, wants to give back, wants people to know who he's playing for. And that's special to see a guy that's had so much success. It's like a Tim Tebow that's had so much success, <laughs> that's had so much success, but really he he wants to give back. He wants to show his true purpose, why he's here. Yeah. And that's awesome to see people that have so much success. You know, I, w- I didn't have that much success, but but for them, I can only imagine for them to also just sit there when it's so easy to just say, yeah, look at me, <laughs> look at what I did. But, you know, to give it back to their teammates as well, and then to give it back to the, the ultimate reason uh, for God is great. So it does play a huge role. It does play a huge role in some of our lives. And unfortunately, some of us are, are still searching, searching for, um, searching for the Lord and uh, trying to find our own own way to get there. And, you know, some guys are still struggling in college and we'll continue that battle. And, uh, you know, I pray for those guys that, you know, ultimately they, they make the, uh, I can't, I, it's not a right decision. It's, you know, I guess just being open to the love of Christ being in your life. Cause it's always yeah. there. I guess it's, it's just being open to it and yeah. uh, not pushing it away. And, uh, you know, I think those guys are struggling. Some of those guys are struggling. I think all of us will continue to have struggles. Uh, but like I said, just having those people in your life at a young age and uh, mentors and uh, accountability partners and a great church foundation. Uh, and I love our church and what it stands for and the messages. And, you know, I like straight, I like straight shooters. I think Justin, <laughs> Justin, does, a, yeah. Justin does a good good job of not sugarcoating what what uh what the word says yeah absolutely <laughs> so that's, that's awesome but yeah, yeah man I, like i said though you know justin coached me at eight years old and was my coach uh we won five championships only lost we only lost one game we were like lost one game <laughs> wow. tied one game so we won five championships when he was my coach but you know ultimately he was a huge mentor in my life because he brought the word into my life at such a young age and that's been somebody i could talk to throughout my life so yeah um uh, yeah, man. To, I hope I hope that answered the question. I know I kind of ran it along, but uh, I hope I hope that answered that question on that. It definitely plays a strong foundation or a strong role in our lives and how we play the game of football and uh, our day to day life and life struggles and you know what people go through on a, in, in a college lifestyle at the, at a, a, a big university such yeah. as Alabama. Yeah, it, yeah, man. That that's that's so good. And I think everybody can can take a lot from that. I mean, just the importance of having community of having people around you that have the same goals as you spiritually, um, that will, that will push you. That's, that's key. Whether you're in high school, college, whether you've got grandkids, like you've, you've got to have that. 
Um, but, but I would say, especially in college, cause that's just kind of that, that time for everybody where you're really figuring out like, is my faith, is it my faith or is it my parents' faith or do I really believe this or, um, and that's just, that's so important to have that and to have a good church. Um, man, you, you've awesome answers. Uh, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of sad that, uh, you've, you've kind of, I've always kind of viewed Alabama as just the, uh, the the evil monster the Darth Vader <laughs> the the Death Star and you kind of you kind of softened it up for me, um, but uh, <laughs> but again that's why like I said earlier I'm just Tennessee has caused me to to be a soccer fan so I'm a, I'm completely changing sports thanks to Tennessee but no, well no. I'll, I'll tell you I I hate it I hate it for Tennessee right now uh, but you know I am a huge Jeremy Pruitt fan. Uh, I'm. If you ask the people to play for Alabama, one of our favorite coaches, no doubt, hands down, easiest, easiest question for uh, a former athlete that played for him to answer. Yeah. yeah. So, unfortunately, this is <laughs> what I also say about football. This may take me on a rant, but unfortunately, I will say this: it's it's easy to put the blame on the coaches, and sometimes it's easy to put the blame on the players, yeah. but. Me knowing what Coach Pruitt brings to the table and having played for him um, and just the knowledge of the game, he's also an unbelievable teacher. Probably the best teacher I had as a, as a football coach, just to be able to put it on a level that you understand, Yeah. Um, to, to like dummy down the concepts or dummy down the true meaning of it. Um, just, you know, some players just may not have that and need it at, at an easier level. And he did a great job. And I, I think that goes back to his background of being, you know, in high school and even, you know, coaching younger guys, younger guys and high school players. Um, but he's an unbelievable teacher. If, if we look at it from the outside of the world, it's easy to put the blame on him, but I'll say this and could get some, some flag from it, but ultimately you got to have good players. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and that is, his, that is his job to recruit good players. But, uh, you know, in high school ball, it's like, it's so easy to say, Oh, with the high school coach, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He's doing a terrible job. Well, you know, we were good in high school. We had great high school coaches, but we had 19 guys signed to play at the next level. Yeah. It's like, it's pretty easy to win ball games when you also have great players. Yes. Yeah. You need to be a great coach. But you also have to have the guys that can go out there and execute. Mm -hmm. And, you know, unfortunately, Tennessee does not have all the right players at the right positions to be just this dominant team. I, I, you know, I hate, I hate to be so blunt, but no, it's, you know, not, not every, (laughs) not every, not every position is filled with this unbelievable superstar. Maybe, maybe that player thinks he is, but, you know, maybe that's a reality check he needs to have. Um, and, And maybe it is a coach, a coaching flaw. Maybe, and maybe it could be some, a position coach or maybe it could be coach for I would doubt that, but it could be, um, you just never know what's happening on the inside, but people need to take a look, look at, you know, what type of players is, is he also, uh, coaching and, you know, what are the, are the players executing? And, you know, sometimes we won't know if it was a, a player flaw in the play that didn't execute, or if it was a game plan that just was not, was not the right answer. It was not the right defense call. They did not give the player the right opportunity to make the play. And you, you know, we, we won't know that as outsiders, um, but on the inside they will. And ultimately it, it'll, it'll kind of be shown with when players leave, if they enjoyed their time with him and 
whatnot. But at Alabama, we loved Coach Pruitt, and I want him to be so successful, and I want him to turn the program around completely. And I think if people can stick around, he will. I'm, I'm a believer in Coach Pruitt. I really am. Uh, he, he made me a believer at Alabama. Ultimately, it's or obviously it's a little easier when you play for an unbelievable head coach and, in my opinion, the best to ever do it in Coach Saban. But, um, but to have him as my – he was also my linebacker coach. Um, to have him just on that personal level every day and every meeting, I was always with him to see how passionate he was for his players and not just for what we did on the field, but outside of the field. And if we needed something, he would have been there. If I would have called him at 12 o'clock in the morning going through a life, life struggle, he would answer the phone. Or if I needed him to come get me, he would have came and got me. That's the type of coach he is. He cares about people. And uh, I want him I want him to do well, and I think he will do well. So if people can just stick around. Just stick around, man. Let him let him get some right players in there. You know, maybe switch some stuff up on the coaching staff, but make let him just get the right pieces in the in the right places. I think it'll it'll change around. So, yeah. big fan of Coach Pruitt. <laughs> as ultimately, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> well, that makes me feel a little better. But I mean, uh, honestly, I guess all, all SEC teams other than Georgia are just waiting for Saban to retire. Because um, we're not, <laughs> yeah. not, not no, going to win many knows, games. Nobody, yeah. nobody knows when that one's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to happen sometime, right? I mean, we're saying the yeah, same thing about Tom Brady. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I thought he, I thought he was, I thought he was going to retire when I was there, but you know, I think he's, he's, he's okay. still trucking he, along. He can't, he can't do this forever, right? That's a, <laughs> man, that's what, we're, that's what we're thinking. We yeah. just, I don't know. Maybe he's got some superpower we don't know about. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's something, man. Whatever he got from Bill Belichick. I mean, I, whatever but uh but yeah man well really appreciate you coming on coming on the podcast um hopefully we'll uh get a chance to talk with you again on the podcast um yeah man it's been yeah uh, awesome definitely the best sports stuff we've ever done on this podcast has been this episode oh, so. man. <laughs> oh man yeah I, yeah the next next time we get on here uh hopefully we can make it a little longer and uh, for the people listening i i I'm, I'm making i'm making a move right now in, in my life and i'm taking the next step i'm done with football and uh ultimately got to go into the real world so uh <laughs> it's a it's a it's a busy week it's a busy week for myself and a lot of life changes happening for me uh but excited excited for the future but yeah man thank you for having me on it, it was it's fun for me to talk football and um to get out here and also talk about jesus because that doesn't happen a lot of a lot of times when I'm talking, it's just specifically about football. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I like talking about these things. I like talking about life situations or things happening in the world too. So it's, it's always fun for me to get out there and, and, and talk and, you know, spread what, what I, I think, um, I think about the game or what I think about certain situations and, uh, happening, uh, with football and other such things. But yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's, it's, it's it was fun for me and, uh, I look forward to getting on here again. You know, hopefully, hopefully next time it the podcast will be even bigger and we're going to be growing and <laughs> yeah. I can get on here and we can have even more fun and make it make it even longer. So yeah, thank you again for having me and also thank you again for some generous words about myself. <laughs> I definitely would I would I definitely would have to take some of them back, but thank you, thank you for uh, having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. So thanks again to Keaton Anderson and um. Remind you again, this episode is brought to you by Red Letter Clothing, uh, redletterclo.com. Also, go check out our website. We have a website now. The uh, link for both of those sites will be in the show notes. And uh, thank you for supporting us. 
leave us a five-star review subscribe on however you listen to it go follow us social media instagram facebook all those places but um so we'll catch you on the flippity flip Mention of the true vine, the only way to the true God. All is fall astray, leaving fools blind. The truth lies, no space, see imbued minds. We sheep going through the gate, that's the true sign. Yeah, we know the resurrection in life. The light of the world, he came, show strength for his might. This message is plain, this chain, get the letters precise. These are the I am saying, show definite height. We know a savior who